Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Rian. Let's pray. As we gather around the written word and listen to the spoken word, may we meet with the living word, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Do please uh, take a seat. I wonder how your preparations uh, for Christmas are going. The Vicarage Report card is, I think, pretty good. The decorations are up, thanks to Liz and the kids. I have bought the presents I'm in charge of. There have been a lot of deliveries, so I'm fairly sure that Liz has bought the presents she's in charge of, significantly more than the ones that I'm in charge of, I do have to confess. We have a plan for who's coming on Christmas Day and for visits to family afterwards. Feels like most of it is together. Apart from the menu for Christmas lunch. That isn't sorted yet, but we've got a week, it'll be fine. Of course, on the church front, we've been preparing for Christmas for quite a while. The first bit of preparation was in November, 2022, when we agreed the civic carol service date with the team for the council. That's the first date that goes in, first bit of preparation, 14 months in advance. And then in the spring of this year, we started planning for the community Christmas choir. They've had their rehearsals over the last month or so, and they're all ready, as I said earlier, for this evening's carols by candlelight service. So uh, all kinds of preparation gone all over the place for a very long time. Lots of preparation to help things go smoothly. So, why am I going on about preparation, do you think? It's Advent. Yeah, the season of preparation. Well done. It's that time of year when most of our preparations for our Christmas celebrations go on, but it's also the season in which we have this opportunity to prepare ourselves spiritually for remembering the impact of that first Christmas. Opportunity to make space, to reflect on what it really means for God to become human, to come and live among us, to live as one of us. space to realize afresh how amazing it is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Advent is this season of preparation for Christmas. Yes, for all this stuff that goes into our celebration, but perhaps more importantly, for that spiritual reflection on what Christmas is going to mean. Advent is the season of preparation for Christmas. But it's more than that, isn't it? It's also a season of preparation for us, for the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus as King, to bring in the fullness of his kingdom, which he announced all those years ago. Ellie talked about this on, our, on the first Sunday of Advent, reminding us that Jesus could return tomorrow. Oh, I think she, um, what's the word? 
pull their punches a little bit. Jesus could return this afternoon. We were asked, are we ready? Are we living our lives ready for that, prepared for that, doing the work that Jesus gave us to do before he went? Do we live as if we believed it was true that Jesus could return at any moment? This week, and actually last week, the Gospel readings are focused on the ministry of John the Baptizer. This week, I've had some assistance in lighting a candle, Advent candle, in memory of John. You were, many of you knew that today was going to be John the Baptist. You were ready to say, yes, it's John the Baptist this week. Now, as I was thinking about this, I, at first, I was going to say that John's story isn't really to do with Christmas, because... John wasn't announcing Jesus' birth when he was out in the desert, was he? He was preparing people for the beginning of Jesus' ministry. But then I remembered something that happened before Jesus was born. In Luke's historical account of Jesus' life, we read that while John's mother Elizabeth was pregnant with John, her cousin Mary came to visit. And at this point, Mary was also pregnant with Jesus. And when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's home, Luke writes, this is what happened. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, even before John was born, He was preparing the way for Jesus. He was acknowledging that Jesus was coming. And that preparation was linked with an infilling of the Holy Spirit. So, every year, Advent is a preparation for Christmas and a season of preparation for Jesus' return, for us to be intentional about thinking about those. How are we going to be ready spiritually for Christmas? How are we going to be ready for Jesus' return? Are we prepared? Advent is always a season of preparation. But this year, in addition to this, it seems like God has been preparing us as a church for a greater openness to the work and ministry of the Holy Spirit in our community, in us. A couple of weeks ago, Ellie shared a picture she had of the Holy Spirit flowing like a river from the front of church out down the central aisle and out into the community, into the surrounding area. And last week we thought about baptism. And and is it a coincidence that our baptistry is at the front of church here? And how in Christian baptism, each of us are baptised in the Holy Spirit. If you happen to miss either of those and you haven't yet gone back and caught up on YouTube or Facebook or the podcast, really encourage you to do so. And, And since we've started talking about these things in our services, a number of people have emailed us, phoned us, spoken to us, sharing words or pictures that have confirmed this sense of God doing something important among us. Now, many of you will know that we generally plan our sermon series well in advance here at All Saints. 
We choose the theme that we're going to be looking at for a particular term, and we pick the reading so they're in time to go on the blue rotor. It can be months and months in advance, focused on a particular teaching theme. Now, that's not the case, not in the same way at the moment. At the moment, we are using what's called the lectionary, lectionary readings, the standard readings set by the Church of England for this year for the season of Advent. We didn't pick these readings or set this theme because we had an agenda, or actually, the months ago when we were picking these readings, any sense in advance that this was what God was going to want to say to us in Advent. It has flowed out of the Bible readings and an openness to what we believe God is saying to us through the Word and in this season. And today's readings are a really good example of that. When I was preparing what I was going to say this morning, I looked at the Gospel reading and to be honest with you, I thought, great, it's John the Baptist again. I thought about John the Baptist last week. I've got to think something new to say about John the Baptist this week. Can't just use the same sermon. Well, maybe I could. I'd find out if people listen, wouldn't it? preached on baptism last week, preached on John's baptism of repentance and Jesus' baptism of the Spirit. Oh, how am I going to say, come up with something new to say about this week? Anyway, then I turned to the Thessalonians passage and what did I read? Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Or as I learnt it, do not quench the Spirit. Now, I don't want to get too distracted by the mixed metaphors and pictures of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is described as a river that is flowing freely, and sometimes as a fire that we're not to quench. The fact that water quenches fire, we're not going to think too hard about that. I know that they don't really make sense together, but then again, we're trying to talk about God, so it's hardly surprising that our language breaks. Is it? So, if we want to stick to the river picture, if we don't want to get too confused, perhaps we can recast it as this. Do not block the Holy Spirit's flow. To me, that seems to say pretty much the same as don't quench the Spirit. Do not block the Holy Spirit's flow. Seems to me that that's what Ellie was talking about at the beginning of Advent when she encouraged us to let God out of the box which I reinforced by ripping that box up. Again, if you weren't there, go back and watch it. Do not block the Holy Spirit's flow. But if we've been told not to do something, then we need to think about, well, what, what does that mean? How do we not block the Holy Spirit's flow? Well, I wonder if there are some clues in the other instructions that Paul gave to those Christians in Thessalonica as he brings his letter to a close. If we look at about it, just, if we look just before this instruction, not to quench the Spirit, he said this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. These are positive commands, things that actually, when I reflect on it, there seem to be things that would allow the Spirit to flow freely. A joy, a prayerfulness, gratitude. So, perhaps the opposites are things that might get in the way of the Holy Spirit flowing freely. 
ingratitude. Not talking with or listening to God. Worrying about things. Perhaps those might be things that would block the Spirit's flow in our lives, in the lives of our community, and we need to get them out of the way. But the great thing is, we don't do these things on our own. You see, the Spirit wants to flow. That is God's intention. And it's my belief that as we move just a little way towards God in these things, so he will assist us, will move those blockages out of the way, and we get a virtual spiral in which the fruit of the Spirit can flourish. You see, let's, well, let's take one of these for an example. Um, I know. The contrast between um, thankfulness and ingratitude. Maybe we know in ourselves that we, we find it difficult to remember to be thankful. And we know that that just kind of reluctance or difficulty is, is stopping the Holy Spirit moving. We don't have to move that barrier out of the way ourselves. We can say to God, Lord, I know this is in my life and I want it shifted. Would you help me, please? And the Holy Spirit then, in the Holy Spirit's flow, will wash it away. As we say to God, I give this to you. I know it's a barrier in my life. I, d I don't know how to get rid of it. Will you help me? In the next few verses, Paul goes on. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Hold on to what is good. Reject whatever is harmful. And I find this really interesting. You see, Paul doesn't say, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but accept them without question. That's not what Paul says. He tells his readers to take prophecy seriously. And that means testing them. We test them against God's word. Are they consistent with God, what God says in the Bible? We test them against Christian experience through the centuries. Are they consistent with what God has said before? We test them against their impact on people. Are they harmful or life-giving? This is what allowing the Spirit to flow looks like in a practical example of prophecy, of words of knowledge, of things that we think God might be saying to us. Taking them seriously doesn't mean just accepting them without question. Taking seriously means looking at them, testing them. How's that worked out in practice with this? Well, when Ellie first sensed God was speaking to her about this picture of the Spirit flowing through, she emailed me. I actually can't remember if she emailed me or phoned me. We talked and said, I can't remember. Anyway, we communicated. And she asked me what I thought. Well, is God in this? Can I say this? Well, I prayed on it and tested against Scripture, against my understanding of what God has said about the Holy Spirit over the years. I said, yes, I think this might be something we can explore, preach it, see what happens. And since then, we've continued to test it because we take it seriously. We've emailed around some of the key senior lay leaders, see if this might be a time when God is just changing the vision of the church for a bit. At the moment, we think it probably is, and I'll be talking a bit more about that in uh, the new year. We're being careful to listen to what impact this is having on people. 
we, as I said, we've received some really positive testimonies. We also know that there are some among us who may be a bit anxious. Personally, I'm particularly sensitive to any suggestion that if you don't feel the Holy Spirit moving or that you're doing something wrong or that God doesn't love you. I want to say really clearly that I don't believe this is the case. I have stood in too many tent meetings, too many church services over the years when God seems to be doing loads of stuff in other people around me and nothing in me to be unaware of the dangers of that kind of teaching. We are all individuals. We all experience the Holy Spirit in different ways and that is absolutely fine. What we do believe, what we think we can discern God is doing is that we are being called to allow more space and openness to what the Holy Spirit is doing, to minister to and through us, whatever that might look like for us as individuals. For some of us that will be an emotional response that we really, we feel something happening. For some of us it will be in our minds and our thinking. It'll be different for each of us. So, this Advent, as part of our spiritual preparations for Christmas and being ready for Jesus' return, being equipped to more fully prepare for Jesus' return, we are choosing to open up to the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to flow freely, to wash away anything that might stop him flowing freely. And we're preparing for what that free flow might bring to our lives, to the lives of this church, and lives of the people we live among in our community. Amen.